Amen. God is good, yes. Hallelujah. Well, um, before we get started, I want to ask you guys a couple questions. Is that cool? Good, because I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to move that so I don't hurt myself. And uh, how many of you have ever been to a professional football, hockey, or baseball game? I need you to raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever, keep your hands up, don't put them down, because this is a survey. Now, how many of you that haven't done that have ever seen like Titanic or Gone with the Wind? I knew I'd get the ladies in that one and some of the so non-sports people. Okay, so we'll look around the room, see all the hands that are up. Now, you can put them down. The reason I asked you that was all of the events that I just spoke about took probably at least three hours of time out of your life, right? So, I set you up. Cut my mic. I'm loud. I don't need a mic. It's all good. So, here's the thing. We have a tendency, not, not this church, but every other church in America, have a tendency to be willing to give all the time in the world to an athletic event, to our own entertainment. But then when it comes to the kingdom and the presence of God in time in church, if it gets past 12 o'clock, we start getting antsy. Because the Baptists are already at the cafeterias or the restaurants. So I'm asking you today, what did you come for? Because if we came just to do what we're supposed to do, because it's Sunday and this is what we do, then, then I'm going to break your heart this morning. But if you came hungry for what God has, I believe God is going to meet us here today. I believe that today is a pivotal day. I said today is a pivotal day. Amen. I believe that there is, even in this house, but in the body of Christ overall, but today for this house, that this is a pivotal moment. That we sit on the threshold of greatness or mediocrity. And I don't know about you, I don't want mediocrity. I don't want to go back to just getting through and getting by. And just holding on until Jesus comes back or I go to heaven. I want to see heaven come to earth. Anybody with me today? And that's what the world is crying out for. Paul told us, he said, all of creation is groaning and crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. And I believe the sons of God are in this place. And that means you ladies too. That we are called to manifest his greatness. And I believe God wants to do that today. Anybody with me? Is anybody ready to step over into a new level of what God's got for you? Huh? Are you? Because I believe that God, he says, see, God is a reactive God. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you call on my name, I'll answer. Right? So God is looking for people that are just saying, God, we're just hungry. We just want more of you. We just want what you have for us. And I believe there's, there's people in this room that would say that today. Yes? Yeah. Can we just lift our hands, just close our eyes for a minute? I believe the Holy Spirit is here. I know he's been with me all morning. Had to pull over a couple times on the way over here. Oh, Jesus. You're so good. And I pray today that everyone in this room would just begin to get a taste of how good you are. That, Lord, you would let us all realize that your faithfulness is so amazing. And that, Lord, there's nothing, there's nothing like your presence. Lord, that we're here today for your presence because it's in your presence there's fullness of joy. It's in your presence there's life everlasting. It's in your presence there's healing, there's joy, there's strength, there's peace, there's hope. So, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh today. Have your way in this place. These are your children in this house, Lord. And I honor you, God. And I honor them as your children, Lord. And I reverence you, God. And I reverence your Spirit upon them. And, Lord, I pray that every word that is spoke this morning, Lord, only comes from your throne. That, Lord, every word that I speak today, Lord, as it comes out, even if it might seem hard, Lord, let it be in love. 
Let us receive the truth and love so that we might be your body on this earth, carrying light and life to the world, carrying the bread of life. For you alone are worthy, Jesus. You alone are worthy. There's no one like you. (laughs) There's no one like you. So precious Holy Spirit, come have your way. Even now, begin to touch the hearts of your people. Begin to flood their hearts. Lord, take away the worries and the stress and the strain. And just breathe. Breathe on us, O breath of God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Come on, just breathe them in this morning. We just welcome you. Holy Spirit. Come, precious Holy Spirit. Yeah. You alone are worthy, Jesus. Oh, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. We welcome you in this place. It's all about you. said, amen, 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 amen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to try not to be a complete wreck this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. The last couple weeks, uh, as Jeremy was speaking, he's been talking about uh, revivals. Yeah. The titles have been about revival. Let me tell you something. There is no way to have a revival without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I just want to talk to you this morning about the, what John the Baptist called the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. How many need some more fire in your life? Come on. And if we're honest, every hand would be up right now. We all need more fire in our life. We all need the fire and the presence of God. And I believe that today... That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the presence of the Lord being in our lives, not just when we gather on Sunday mornings, but the presence of our life moving on a daily, hourly, minutely, I don't know if that's a word, secondly, nanosecondly basis. That every moment of our life we begin to realize the revelation that His presence consumes us. And we cannot do what God wants us to do without the fullness of the Holy Spirit overflowing in our lives. And you are not completely full until it's pouring out of you. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. Are you with me today? I'm going to ask you, don't tune me out because you say, well, I've heard all the messages about the Holy Spirit that I've ever needed to hear. You can never hear enough messages about the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, we had somebody preaching about it a couple Wednesdays ago. That's okay because there's more. I said, there's more. Paul said this. He said, don't be drunk with wine. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about because in a prior life, you might have been drunk with wine once or twice. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Everybody's holy in here and was born holy and none of you ever sinned. But there are people in the world who at some point in their life got a little inebriated in their life. Spent a little bit of time with some other spirits. Now, not that any of you have ever experienced that, but why do people go out and get drunk? None of y'all know. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you. They do it because they want to feel better. They want to forget what's going on in their world. They want to get a little bit euphoric and a little bit of a high. Are you with me? That's for those of you who've never, those you holy ones that have never even seen anybody drunk. The reason, there's got to be a reason that people are in bars every Friday and Saturday night. There's a reason why people are in clubs. It's not because, you know, they're all studying algebra homework together. They're in there because they want to they get wasted. They want to forget about everything and they want to feel good. Now here's the repercussion. Morning's going to come. And many of them end up praying to the porcelain God 
of Ralph. So there's an after effect to it. But, but Paul was very specific. He said, look, don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled. I guess I'll talk to them, okay? Don't be drunk with wine, but be, everybody say filled. And that word filled in the original Greek doesn't mean like a one-time drink. It says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So if Paul says that the Holy Spirit is a little bit like getting drunk, then there are changes that will happen to you when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. (laughs) We were recently down in Dallas for about a week uh, at a conference And the last night of the conference, they were praying over all the people in the room. And I mean, the presence and power of God was so intense. It was just, it was sick, man. It was awesome. And it came. And as they got ready to pray for everybody, uh, Todd White was ministering. And he said, let me tell you something. Dignity is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. See, if you want to have full control of your life, then I suggest you never invite the Holy Spirit to take control of you. Because I don't care what any preacher says, the Holy Spirit that I know is not a gentleman. He is the power of God Almighty. And when he comes in a room, it sounds like an earthquake, it feels like a hurricane, and everything changes. And that's the Holy Spirit I like being around. Because I don't want to be drunk with wine, but I want to be filled Listen, do you realize how many people are so bored with their walk with God because they don't have a real encounter? Because I promise you, when you walk with Him, there is never a boring moment. It's ridiculous what He does and who He is. Just listen, if you'll just wake up in the morning and realize what, that Jesus created everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through it, everything was created, right? Yeah? So in the big, see, we think about Jesus, baby Jesus, and Jesus, but before Jesus was baby Jesus, he was God Almighty, infinite, unstoppable in any given moment. Listen, I believe everything in that Old Testament there where it says the angel of the Lord came with a capital letter, that was Jesus. That was his presence on the earth. That's who he was, and it says in Philippians that we should have the same mind as that which was in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and became a man. Listen, we should wake up in the morning and go, my God, you took all your amazingness off and you became like us. So we could die. It's awesome, man. If we can just catch a glimpse of all that he's done and all that he is, we will never be the same. But we got to be continually filled. Amen? Are you with me? All right. The Lord is good, yes? So we got to understand a few things about the Holy Spirit. First of all, and I'm not going to get into I've got. I gave them a ton of scriptures, but I'm going to take it easy on you, I promise. But the first thing that we got to realize is that the Holy Spirit, He is not a tongue. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a fire. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He is Almighty God. He is not the lesser part. He is equal with God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the promise. And I believe today God wants to release upon us the promise of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you to overflowing. See, I want you to realize something, and for time's sake we won't get into it, but if you read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is the reason Jesus did any miracles. Oh no, Jesus is God. Yeah, but he was all man. And Jesus didn't do a single miracle until after the Holy Spirit came upon him. So can I tell you something? If Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, you better believe you need it. How audacious of us to think, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit. When Jesus himself 
required the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he did on this earth. Listen, there's a, that song that Jeremy uh, Riddle just wrote not long ago, All Hail King Jesus. Whew. Man, I'm just thinking about it. But there's this verse in it where it says that there Jesus laid in this darkened tomb. But the king of life was on the move. And in all of a sudden, this moment it says, all of a sudden, the breath entered him. And man, I just began to think about it. You know, we know the scripture, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us. But there was a moment where Jesus' body was laying in that tomb, man. His spirit was doing some warfare and winning back some souls, but his body was laying in that tomb. And then this moment came, and and he sat up. Man, can you imagine? It says in that moment, the earth began to shake. A stone rolled away. I like the old Carmen song. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sunday's on the way. The devil's like, just check one more time for me. I'm telling you that that Jew is dead as nails. And somebody was messing with the grave, right? But the breath of God that brought Jesus back from the dead now is in us. So we need that Holy Spirit in our lives. We need a fresh outpouring of his presence in our life. Listen, God is wanting to fill us today with the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. God is wanting to overflow in you the gifts of all that the Holy Spirit entails. Can I tell you something? I believe with all of my heart that the gift that the Father gave us is the Holy Spirit. There's been teachings and things that say, well, everybody who gets the Holy Spirit when you're born again, and I believe that. I believe that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit seals you. He does. But if you read the scriptures, it says that you should preach the gospel, that everyone should be saved, they should be baptized, and then they should be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, there is another filling that comes. There is a filling to overflowing. We had just, what, two weeks ago, baptisms, right? Awesome time of baptism. And the thing about baptizing is when you get baptized in water, when you come up, what are you? You're a new creature, but let's not be spiritual. What are you? You're wet. You're wet. You get out drenched. And everybody in the building goes, they're wet. They're covered in water. You are saturated in water. Right? Are y'all with me? You are obviously wet. Well, Jesus said you should get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what you look like? The Holy Spirit. Because now you've been baptized in fire and you come up completely consumed in him. That means that everybody who sees you should go, there's something wrong with that dude. He ain't like everybody else. You know that when the Holy Spirit came upon the, the first disciples, that the scripture records that the world said, these are the men who turned the world upside down. Dude, that's what I want written about me at the end of the day. This dude with the weird candy name came into town and changed everything. And all of a sudden, everything that was right seemed wrong. And everything that was wrong was made right because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all hearing me? Listen, this is, I've got so many scriptures, but I want you to hear my heart. This is what Jesus taught. He taught, he said, if you believe, all who believe, these signs shall follow those that believe. Right? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They're going to take up serpents. Now, let me stop you there, because everybody goes, oh, hold up. And I don't, there's nothing under your seat, so don't worry about it. But do you realize how wrong scriptures have been taught? Because that word serpent doesn't mean snakes. That word serpent actually translates into the word for Satan. You're going to take up demonic strengths. You're going to drink anything that's bad and it won't harm you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus said, look, there's a power. There's a presence that's got to come. But we got to get hungry for it. Are you all with me? <laughs> God, you're good. Help me, Jesus. Got so much to say. So little time. 
Listen, it was Jesus who promised the baptism. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. I will read some scriptures to you so you won't say, oh, he was just making things up. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I think we got it up here. Yeah, thank you. Acts 1, 4. <coughs> Jesus is speaking here. He said, you heard from me for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. Everybody say baptized. Say it again. Say it one more time. There we go. See, the third time everybody gets motivated by then because they're like, if he won't shut up, we got to say it now or we'll keep saying it all morning long. You shall be baptized with, everybody say with, the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Right now, I want you to skip forward a couple verses. Look at verse number 8. You shall receive power. Everybody say power. Now, how many have heard this before? Right? But how many know we need it more? Are you with me? You shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? Now, can, I, can we stop for just a second? We're going to finish this. But I want you to realize something. I think these may be the most important words here in the Scripture. Now, we could de- I don't want to debate that or argue that, but here's why I say it. Because do you realize what these words are? These are the very last words that Jesus spoke on this earth. That it was so important that Jesus said, hey, before I go, right? What's the most important thing you say to people when you're getting ready to leave? It's the, it's the most important thing, right? When you're, I love you. Don't you say that to your kids and your spouse. Hopefully you do. If you don't, we'll pray for you. Right? The last thing you say as you go out the door is I love you. Because to quote Garth Brooks, if tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I loved her? Right? If you don't, if you express the most important thing before you're getting ready to go. Are y'all with me? So here it is, Jesus about to go, about to ascend to heaven. My Bible even says the next little thing, Jesus ascends to heaven. So I know it's true. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the earth. If this is the last thing Jesus told his disciples, I think it's pertinent to us today that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives guys we need to be baptized afresh we need to come into his presence and overflow with who he is are y'all with me today listen that's what he wants to do in our life that's what he wants to pour out in our life listen they did not know what the promise was can I just share something with you? This is what I believe. This is my theological belief. You may have a different belief, but that's okay that you're wrong because God will straighten it all out. But I believe that at the moment that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that is a new prayer language. Now, I know there's different discussions on this, and I'm not going to get into it, but that's what I read in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit comes, people speak in tongues. Holy Spirit comes, people speak in tongues. But you know what? When the Father promised this gift through Jesus, he did not say, go to the upper room and wait, and in 100, the 120 of you that are up in this room at the day of Pentecost are all going to speak in tongues. That's not what he said, did he? He said, go and tarry, go and wait until the promise of the Father comes. Did they know what the promise was? Well, they did. They knew it was the Holy Spirit. Did they know what was going to happen? Heck no. But what we've done in the church, in the Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, is we have made it all about just that moment of coming and receiving tongues. Now listen, I am not negating tongues. If you don't have a prayer language, I'm going to pray today that you receive one because you need it. And I can show you that in the scripture too. You need it. You can't live without it the way God wants to move in your life. That's not dogging you. It doesn't mean you're not going to live in a lesser place of heaven. But it means that on this earth, you're limiting what God can do in and through you. And I don't want anybody limited in this room. Are you all with me? Listen, if I'm offending you, please don't let me, because I love you. See, I'm smiling. I want you to have the fullness of God. 
Amen? How do you want the fullness of God? So this is the thing. They go to the upper room. They don't know what's coming, but when the Holy Spirit comes, that's what happens. We cannot just ask for bits and pieces. There are teachings in certain denominations and churches that tell us, well, every person gets a gift. So you might get the gift of tongues. You might get the gift of interpretation. You get prophecy. You get words of knowledge. That's crazy. Because that would be like me giving Prentice a watch and saying, this is my gift to you, Prentice, a watch. But instead of giving him the whole watch, I just give him the minute hand and say, here you go, brother. Here's your gift of the watch. And here, Lindsay, you can have the second hand. And you get the little thing that twists it. And, you know, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Can you tell time with the minute hand? No, you need the whole watch. And when God gives you a gift, he doesn't give you a part of a gift. He gives you the whole kit and caboodle. Why? Because you're his children, and he loves you. And Jesus said, if a, if a father on this earth goes and says, hey, you know, my son said he wants some bread, so I'm going to give him a rock. If they ask for an egg, you don't give him a scorpion. Right? That's what Jesus said. If they ask for fish, you don't give him a snake. How much more then will my Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit, the gift? Come on, man. He wants to pour out on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Look at Acts chapter 10 real quickly. Acts 10, verse 44. I just want to show you a couple things. One thing, people have a tendency to get freaked out about the Holy Spirit. You know, he is the most controversial part of the Bible. I, I can't tell you the number. I mean, I've been in ministry going on 20, oh man, a long time. Like almost 28 years now, something like that. And in that time period, I've, I've been in, I didn't grow up in church. I got saved in the Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptist. Because probably half of us wouldn't be in this room if it weren't for the Baptist church. Got saved in the Baptist church, man. Had no idea what I was doing, but I knew as I was standing in that, in that pew at Bethel Baptist Church in Ellicott City, Maryland. And I was standing there, and I was like, I got to get to the altar. I, I still feel it, man. I mean, it was real. And I went to the altar, and I said, I have no idea. And the guy said, pray this prayer. And I prayed that prayer. I got baptized, and I went on living the way I'd been living because nobody discipled. I didn't understand anything else. And then a few years later, I mean, I've been, in all, I've been in every denomination you can think of. I went to the Catholic Church. Dear Jesus had my first Catholic Mass at, at Christmas. And I, I'd only been in the Baptist Church, and I didn't know they didn't use grape juice in the Catholic Church. Christmas service. They put the little wafer on my mouth and tipped that drink up and I went <laughs> and I thought man your grape juice went bad I've been I, we went to the Episcopalian church I'm telling you I've been in all these churches I've slept in the Methodist church I've slept in a Lutheran church I mean they were preaching but I was asleep I've been in all these different places but I'm going to tell you right now that where I want to be is in his presence and what's happened in the years is I came into this encounter with the Holy Spirit. I remember we went to a church of God, and every Sunday night, I didn't listen to a sermon because I was a teenager, sat on the back row passing notes, not paying any attention. I know I wasn't as holy as the rest of you. But every, every Sunday night, I wanted to be anywhere but there, but at the altar call, every Sunday night I was at the altar. I didn't know why. I was just like, God, what's going on? And of course, a teenager at the altar in a church of God is like fresh meat to lions. And every old woman in the church laid hands on me repeatedly. Y'all have heard the joke where it was like, send the fire, send the rain, pour it out, seal it up. I don't, I was just, but I was hungry. It was just the work of the Holy Spirit in me, and it just drew me. And every Sunday night I would be at the altar, and I would be there crying out for more. And then one moment, man, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I was at a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Come on now. Old school. All the Haganites were there. And they called, and they, he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he said, if anybody wants to receive this, they had a little room because there were so many people, and we went in this room, and they said, you're going to receive this prayer language. And I stood up there for a few minutes, and I felt God, and I thought, well, I guess I got it. And I started walking out of the room. And this woman comes across the, the room and taps me on the shoulder, and she says, God wants you to know you received it. And I thought, cool, 
I don't know what I received, but I got it. And the very next day, I was in the assemblies of God. Man, I'm telling you, I've been all over the place. I was with the assemblies of God on Thanksgiving weekend, and they always did the little thing in Nashville, right? Now, this is the kid who just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then I got the next day I got in trouble because we were skipping the service. I still needed some regeneration is what I'm saying. See, that's why we got to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but there came this point, man, I was 17 years old. And I was like, God, you're all I want. And I would go, and I, I read in the scripture where it said you're supposed to go in your prayer closet. So I literally went in my closet. And I had this amplifier, and I cranked the music up, and I'd just go in there, and I would cry out to God, Lord, I just want more of you. And I would just pray in the Spirit for hours. And then God started doing stuff through me. And I thought, oh, my God, this is so cool. It's so amazing. One of the old ladies in the church of God, she was, I mean, like 133 at that point. I don't know. No, she was, she, like, she was the pillar of the church. I mean, seriously, she's still alive today. She was a pillar of the church. She's like Prentice. And so, I mean, but this woman is so full of God and loves Jesus. And so, and she, when she prays in the spirit, she sounds like a, like a, um, a, like a Navajo or Apache warrior. I mean, it's just like, mm. and we were in this prayer meeting on this morning and, and the Lord said, go lay your hands on Miss Lydia. And so I walked up to her and I, man, I, I'm telling you, I was cutting my teeth on Benny Hinn. So I walked up to her, and I was like, take it. And she fell out under the power of God. And I had to catch her because she's old, and I didn't want her to get hurt. And she fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I thought, whoa, that was just awesome. And she got up, and listen, this is what, this, that was cool, but this is what touched me. She got up, she, my mom was there, she's right here, there's my mom, wave mom, there you go, that's my mom. She's part of the reason why I am the way I am, so blame her. But she got up, and Miss Liddy said, in all my, I don't know, really, how old was she, 70-something at that point? She said, I've been in church all my life, and I've never fallen under the power of the Holy Spirit. And last night, I told the Lord, Lord, I'd like to know what that felt like. And he used this 17-year-old kid who was all messed up to do that. Just a few weeks later, I preached to my youth group. 33 kids in there. 30 of them got saved or rededicated their lives. Started laying hands on them. They're falling out all over the place. One of the kids that rededicated his life had just been arrested by a narc in our school for possession and sale of marijuana. Got laid out on the floor speaking in tongues for over an hour. The adults started sneaking into the service. They were peeking their heads in, and I would say, take it, boom, and they fall out. It was ridiculous. It was awesome, and I was hooked. Come on. I'm trying to get y'all to understand there's more than what you know. There's more than what you've experienced. I don't care what you've experienced. This dude's probably experienced more than all of us in this room with the things his dad. I mean, this guy knew like preachers that I've watched videos about. Y'all don't even understand. I'm talking about... You know, been around some guys that saw supernatural wonders every single day of their life. I got hooked, man. I was like, this is all I want. This is what I, it was better. I'd never used drugs in my life, but I imagine there's no drug that compares to it. I'm serious. I was so high on the Holy Spirit. It was like, this is so ridiculously awesome. And then there came a time in my life where I got in ministry and I got the crud kicked out of me. And I went through hard times. And I lost my love for Jesus. I mean, I knew I'd go to heaven, but I just I felt so lost. <clears throat> I just went through the motions, you know? But the Lord's been doing such a work. Now, that was years ago, and then God healed me and restored so many things, and he's bringing me out to a new and greater place. And just a few weeks ago, we were praying. Somebody came up and said, the Lord wants to bring you back to even before what you remember in ministry. God's going to bring things back. Listen, guys, I've encountered Jesus. 
I mean, I'm t- I mean, literally, like I was praying. We were in worship one night in Daytona Beach, and Jesus stood in front of me. Say, so how do you know? Because I was gripped with fear. You know where Revelation, John says he fell as dead before the Lord. I felt it, man. I was so scared. If I opened my eyes, I would see his feet. And I knew if I saw his feet, I would die. I can't explain it, but that's how I felt. Man, I've been in his presence. I've seen him move in such mighty ways. I've seen signs and wonders and miracles. But I'm not satisfied. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not satisfied with going on what I had. I want what God wants to do now. And there's a new outpouring that the Lord's given us. Are you all with me? Listen, I said all that to tell you that in this season of being with the Lord, the one thing when people would say, well, what kind of church do you have? And be like, well, it's not a nominational. Oh, y'all speak in tongues. Come on. Is that, have you not been asked that? If you haven't, then you're not sharing with people what kind of church you go to. Y'all be like, yes, yeah, it's, it's Baptist. But that's the, that's the dividing factor among churches, isn't it? Oh, do y'all speak in tongues? Because, you know, now non-denominational is like everybody. Like everybody's dropped their names. They're, they're no longer Baptists. They're all non-denominational, right? But, see, there was a day back in the day where non-denominational meant, oh, you them tongue-talking kind. And probably had snakes going around in the building, too. That was another question. Y'all handle snakes? I said, only every fifth Sunday. Listen, we got, do we have the Holy Spirit? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in our life. Do we need more of him? Yes, we need more of him. Is he for today? Heck yeah, he's for today. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is not a cessation of the gifts. They have not passed away. That which is known in part is not fulfilled because of this Bible. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. Are you all with me? Can we go over a few gifts real quick? I'm I'm a rabbit trail, but it's all good, yeah? Hallelujah. Listen, Romans 8, 26, real quickly. You have that one? Can you throw that up there for me? Romans 8, 26, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, where we're all familiar with talking about the gifts. We got that. Look at Romans 8, 26. Why do you need to pray in the Holy Ghost? Why do you need the Holy Ghost? Say, why do I need it? Say, why do I need it? I'm glad you asked. This is why you need it. The Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with us. That's why you need it. Say, why do I need to be able to pray in an unknown tongue? Because sometimes life gets bigger than what you know to pray. Come on. Sometimes there are not words enough. Sometimes all you can do is groan. All you can do is cry out, and that is the Holy Spirit making intercession for you. How many of you know you need it? Come on. we got to have this in our lives. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Y'all good? Now listen, we're going to minister in a little bit, and I want you to just receive, be ready to receive. If you have to go when we get there, I bless you. I will not condemn you. you got to go do what you got. Seriously, I'm being serious. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But can I tell you something? If you don't have to go anywhere, you'll be okay. All right? Y'all with me? seriously, no condemnation if you have to go when we get to ministry time, but I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit moves on you, don't walk away. Okay, I'm done with my commercial. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love. Everybody say, pursue love. you got to do that first, man. Listen, some of y'all have seen that one of the stronger gifts in my life is words of knowledge. In, the, in prophecy, and I, last week I had words of knowledge for a couple people who none of them showed back up today, so that's a great sign of the, of the power of that gift. Um, but in the words of knowledge, when they move, listen, I love it. I don't know, anybody ever had a word of knowledge for somebody? A few of you. Is it not cool? Is it not crazy that God starts telling you about people's lives? It's just so neat. It freaks people out because they start thinking, what else do you know? And that's why a lot of them don't come back the next Sunday. I'm just saying, I don't know that that's what happened. I just know that that happens. I had people that would not come visit my church because they said, I don't know what he's going to say about me. But let me tell you, let me just tell you, the word of knowledge never exposes your sins and your failures in public. Listen, God has shown me some stuff, but I would never, ever. Why? Because here's the first thing, we pursue love. See, every motivation of every gift has to be love. 
See, I'm going to give you a word. Why? Because I love you. Because I know Jesus loves you. And that's, the ultimate, that's why words of knowledge are so awesome. Because what it does is it tells somebody, hey, God's actually paying attention to me. He's actually listening to my cries and my prayers. Are you all with me? So, pursue love and desire. Everybody say desire. Desire spiritually gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, to prophesy just means to speak the utterances of God, basically. <laughs> Let's go on, verse number 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Say, they speak to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, let me point out what that word mysteries means. Are you all with me? That word mystery there is not, does not mean something that is unknowable, but it is known through revelation. Y'all, did y'all get that? It means that he speaks things that can be known through revelation. That God wants to reveal these. So when you pray in the Spirit, you're speaking mysteries. Verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Everybody say to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And he who prophesies edifies the church. Stop with me. Okay. I just want to deal with a few ground rules here. I want to lay some foundation of understanding because there's a lot of teachings that say you should never speak in tongues unless there's an interpretation. Anybody ever heard that? That's true in the gift of tongues. We're not talking about the gift of tongues. We're talking about your prayer language or a division of the gift of tongues. We'll put it that way. So in this gift of tongues, I want you to see what happens. When you speak in tongues, verse 2, you do not speak to men but to God. It is a prayer language. It is a type for you to talk to God. Can I tell you the power of, of praying in tongues? Y'all want to know how powerful it is? Okay, well, I'll tell you anyway because you're so excited about it. Listen, this is how powerful it is. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues supersedes your mind. It, now, the Lord taught me this in a very real way. I've known it for a long time, but in a very real way. One time we went to New York City a few years ago, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And we drove from New York City back to Dyersburg. That's 19 hours straight that I drove, me. So at the, about West Virginia, I took a five-hour energy drink. I was good. Y'all ever driven through West Virginia? You need anything you can to get through West Virginia. There is not a straight road in West Virginia. We got to West Virginia, we got into Kentucky. I thought, well, we might as well just go ahead and drive on. So I took another five-hour energy drink. About the western, anybody ever been on the western Kentucky Parkway? One, two, there's nothing there, is it? It's, it's just dark roads, there's no exits. And on the western Kentucky Parkway, I began to have an anxiety attack. I'm talking about my mind was going so crazy. I thought my car's going to blow up. I'm going to blow a tire. We're going to run out of gas. Everything. Sarah looked at me and she said, are you okay? I said, no. I had white knuckles. I would, so, I would, so this is what was happening. So I began to pray in tongues. Loudly, yeah. I was like, I was praying in tongues. And she said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. But the only time I was not anxious was when I was praying in the spirit. I started testing it out because that's how I operate. I was like, let me stop. So I stopped, and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to wreck. We're going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And I start praying in tongues. Eat up. Oh, we're going to be okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> Seriously, for hours I did this, for hours, because I'm strange. And I, but I was like, and the Lord began to speak to me because it tells us when we pray in the Spirit, our mind is unfruitful. But the Spirit begins to pray. Can I tell you, they even did a study of this. Years ago, I can't remember, it was one of the universities up in the Northeast. Doctors hooked people up. You saw this? Doctors hooked up things to their brains. And they tested it out. They had a, a charismatic Christian pray in tongues. They had a Buddhist guy do his Buddhist thing. They had a, a Catholic praying the rosary. And they hooked all their brains up. And on this thing, when they hooked them up, there was something that was released in the brain of the person praying in tongues that didn't happen in anybody else, and the doctors couldn't even explain where it came from. You know why? Because you were created for him. 
You were created to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You were made to walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Adam and Eve were not like this. They were perfect until the moment they ate. And then they died. But then Jesus came. And he said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not leaving you, orphans. I'm sending another the promise of the Father, and not only is he going to be with you, he's going to be in you. The parakletos, the one who walks beside. Come on, man. He's the Holy Spirit. The word holy is, is hagios in the, in the original Greek, and it, it's this holy, and then spirit is pneuma which means breath. He is the holy breath of God, man. Dude, that's awesome. Because he's always breathing on me. I like when he breathes on me, man. Listen, he was breathing on me so hard, I almost didn't make it on I-40. I'm telling you. The presence of God came in my car so, so strong. Listen, I'm not given to, to like, you know, herking and jerking, but, but it happens. I got messed up years ago. I was down in, in Florida. And y'all ever heard of John and Carol Arnott in the Toronto Blessing? Carol Arnott laid hands on me one time. And it was like somebody hooked up 220 right to my gut. And I flew back and laid on the ground for over an hour just jerking like that. I thought, God, this is the dumbest thing ever. But if this will make me more like you, you can do it the rest of my life. Now, it doesn't normally happen to me in public. Thank you, Jesus. But I'll get into prayer sometimes, and I'll just start jerking, and I'm like, oh, this is so dumb, but I love it. Because <laughs> it's all about Him, man. It's all about Him. He says, look, you're speaking to God when you pray in your unknown tongue. You speak mysteries. That word is mysteria. Again, some, not something unknowable, but something that is only known through revelation. Verse 4, it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And that word edify is the word okademio in the Greek. And it means, listen to this, this is what you do when you pray in the Spirit. It literally means to build a house or to build someone or something up to be strong. (laughs) When you pray in the Holy Ghost, man, you're building something. You're building something, and it's a temple that he can dwell in because do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God now dwells in you? So there's more to this thing. There's more to this thing. Oh, Jesus. Verse 5, Paul says, I wish you all. Now let's stop there. You there? You got that? Verse 5. He says, I wish you all. Now that word wish is not like what Pinocchio was doing on a star. That word wish does not mean, oh, I just hope that this would happen. But that word wish, he actually says, I desire, I long for all of you. Y'all see this? I desire that all of you speak with tongues. But even more that you prophesy, because he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with the tongue. Say, see, it's greater if you prophesy. But the only way to prophesy is to get the tongue in you, baby. He goes on and he says in verse 14, let's jump down there. He says this. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what is the conclusion? Verse 15. Then I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. He goes on in verse 17. He says this, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified when you, when you, when you pray in, in front of people. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than all of you. Listen, if Paul did it a lot, I think Paul was on to something. I don't know about y'all, but he did write pretty much all the New Testament. I'm thinking if Paul says, I speak in tongues a lot, I ought to speak in tongues a lot. 
He goes on in verse 19. He says, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding so that I can teach others than 10,000 words with a tongue. See, this is where teachers have kind of messed us up. And they've said, well, see, you're only supposed to speak in public and in a natural language. No, you're supposed to preach in natural language. Because if I came up to you right now and I began to preach to you in French and you don't speak French, you're going to fall asleep. And that's all Paul was saying is if you don't know the language. But listen, that doesn't mean I don't pray in the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean I don't use, are y'all hearing me? We've got to stir this gift up in us. Praying in the Spirit draws us closer to the Lord. And it, it, what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit is it's not just we can go around saying, who stole my Honda, untie my bow tie. <laughs> and show off our gift. But what it does is there is a change in our lifestyle to change because it's the Holy Spirit and it's fire. We just need to be filled. Can I tell you another thing? Some of you guys in here say, you know what? I I got filled with the Holy Spirit 47 years ago. I spoke in tongues one time and oh, it was wonderful and that was it. Listen, that's not it. It's not it. Because in the book of Acts chapter 4, Now, Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit came. We skipped over that. I'm sorry, but I figured y'all might know that already, right? It says, on the day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in the upper room with one heart and one mind and in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came in and rocked the place. And tongues of fire fell on them. And they began to speak in other languages. And they were so loud and so full of the Holy Ghost that people said, these dudes are drunk. And Peter stood up and he said, they are not drunk as you suppose, but they've been filled with the gift of the Spirit, that which Joel prophesied, that he's going to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy, your old men are going to dream dreams. Come on. And the day of Pentecost came and 3,000 people got saved. I don't know about y'all, that's a good altar call. That'd go good in the newsletter right there. Right? CNN might show up for that one. Something happening here. Can I tell you what? The same Holy Spirit that fell on those 120 is the same Holy Spirit that wants to fall on the however many are here so that when you walk out of here, you might stumble out and have to have a designated driver every once in a while. But that's okay because when you go show up at Red Lobster for lunch and you're talking to the waitress like a crazy person, the person next to you say, she's not drunk, honey. She's just a little inebriated in the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts 2. And then Peter and John, something happened to them. They're walking in, gate beautiful. Guys there begging for alms. What they say? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. He was going to do it because he's a good man. Right? Well, then they got in trouble, got put in jail, got arrested, got went through all this stuff. And in Acts chapter 4, after the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want, I'm, sh- I'm going somewhere. Verse chapter 4, it says, verse 31, when they had prayed, they prayed. This is Acts 4. They prayed. The place they had assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. There was another baptism. And guess what? Later on, they're out preaching, and there's another baptism. And guess what? They go and they preach to these Gentiles, dudes in the middle of his sermon, and the whole room starts speaking in tongues. He didn't go, oh, no, 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 you're out of order. He said, we're going to deny these guys when the Holy Spirit himself has come on them? Listen, there is an outpouring that is available to us. Yeah? There's an outpouring that's available to us. And I want all he's got. I said, I want all he's got. Anybody else want all he's got? Come on, if you want all he's got, then I believe that the Lord is just looking. Reinhard Bonnke was asked a question one time. They asked him, they said, why does God use you in such a mighty way? Why does God move upon certain people in such a mighty way? And Bonnke answered quickly, and he said, if you want to boil water, You put the pot on the hottest burner. God's looking, man. Dude, Charles Finney walked into a a factory 
walked into a factory and all the guys working in the factory, all over the factory, fell on their knees weeping under the conviction of the Holy He didn't even have to preach. Smith Wigglesworth would ride on a train and be sitting there and the person across from him would say, you convict me of my sins. What do I have to do to get saved? Dude, that's the presence I want, man. I mean, I'm not ashamed to preach. I'm not. Listen, I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I was standing at the Kroger gas station a few days ago. And this woman kept coughing. Now, listen, I ain't got it all together because this woman was coughing. The Lord said, go pray for her. I was like, no, Lord, it's okay. He's like, go pray for her. And I was like, I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll pray for her if, you know, she comes around the corner or whatever. Man of faith and power, right? I mean, come on. The Lord said, I want you to pray for her. So I was like, okay, Lord. So I come around the corner, and she was coughing. I said, this wind is really getting you. And she said, yeah, it's messing my hair up. (laughs) And she said to me, my hair hasn't been the same since I started my treatments for cancer. And I'm like, dear Jesus. Man, I almost let me get in the way of an opportunity. I don't ever want to get in the way of an opportunity. But see, the only way for it to happen is if I pray in the Spirit and let Him take full control because me, I'm messed up, man. I know I'm good looking, but I'm messed up. I'm telling you, there's issues in me, but when the Holy Spirit comes in, it doesn't matter. And I just stood there. And I thought, dear Jesus... And I asked her, I said, what, what kind of cancer you have? She had ovarian cancer. And I said, are you in remission? She said, no, I'm still in the middle of treatments. And I said, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. And I just took her hand, and her name was Anne. And we began to pray. And I just prayed in the presence of God fell on her. And she just began to cry. She said, what's your name? I said, Hershey, like the candy bar. She said, oh, you're sweet, just like one. There's a world out there, guys. They're dying. I heard, I think it was Todd White say, or Ivy Baker. She said, if we don't burn for him, there's a world that's going to burn for eternity. There's people that are all around us all day long that when we're stuck in our own little rut, in our own little world, and our own little issues, we're missing an opportunity to touch them. Yesterday would have been my sister's forty-second birthday. Seventeen years ago, she died of leukemia, and she spent every day in that hospital telling people about Jesus. And when I look at that woman that I saw at Kroger, I think, man. What opportunities can we miss that can change somebody's life? I'm not just trying to make you emotional. I'm trying to get you to understand this is life and death. And when you come here on Sundays, it's not supposed to be just so you can fulfill your moral obligation to God or just feel better about yourself. It's so that you can get filled up so you can go back out there and pour out in other people. But this shouldn't be your only filling station. You should have a filling station in your home. You should have a place where you bury your head and say, God, come and fill me afresh today. Baptize me today. Fill me to overflowing because there's a world that needs us. And I want to be with people who say, you know what? Come hell or high water, all that matters is the kingdom. See, we quote all the time what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah? Anybody ever quoted that? I got to live it. I got to live it. I can talk that all I want to talk, but is it really for me to live as Christ? That means everything I do is all about Jesus. 
It doesn't mean you quit your job and go pray all the time. It means that while you're on your job, you are a light and you are salt and you are changing people and you're laying hands on them and you're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. And if they mock you, that's okay because he said that there's no servant above his master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. But guess what? When the dark days come, guess who they're coming to? Man, I don't like that Jeremy dude. He's always talking about Jesus, but all I know is my life's falling apart, and he's always smiling, so I'm going to talk to him. Y'all hearing me? Holy Spirit, come. Just lift your hands. We welcome you. Wonderful Holy Spirit. Oh, God. Have your way. Come have your way, Lord. You're welcome in this place, Lord.